feel like everything is a gestation. You know, a seed is planted, it's nourished, it's, it grows, it, it springs forward a plant, it grows branches and fruit and the fruit ripen, and it all takes time. And, and that's what I'm here for. I'm into the process of that unfolding. Yeah. That's what I really love. So, um, so for me, it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, there's a lot of things cooking, but you know, you, you've got to take your time and you've got to take time to enjoy your life as well. And just enjoy being here because art is made of life. And so if you haven't really lived, it's hard to make art. Today on the show, we're joined again with our good pal, John Orpheus. In past episodes, we talked about his journey as a musician, but today we dive into his life as an author as he recently released his very first published book titled Saga Boy. Saga Boy has been getting such an amazing buzz in the mainstream media, and it's so deserved. We hear about the years of work he put into this, and also to go alongside with the themes of the book, he is releasing a new album titled Saga King that will be released this week on July 30th. We got an early listen and it's absolute fire, so be on the lookout for that. And let's not waste any more time. Let's jump right into this conversation with the GOAT himself, John Orpheus. Yo, what's up? Oh my God, John. Nice to see you, man. <laughs> How's it going, man? Long time no see. Yeah, yeah. I wish I could give you a hug, you know, just embrace the computer right now. So great to see you, man. Yo, what's up? What's up? What's the life saying, man? How's the uh, summer? Summer's been good. You know, it's uh, I, I've been kind of isolated over this quarantine type thing, and I don't know uh the term for it but i'm starting to get my mojo back i'm starting to just get yeah. out there and, uh, got my mojo working yeah working. And, and dude man like uh i got the book beside me right now saga boy okay. um okay i want to i want to say uh biggest fucking congratulations on this um i remember meeting you a couple years ago and uh you mentioned to me you were writing a book and Lo and behold, it is here in my hands and beyond be, beyond having it done too, man, it's amazing how much uh, publicity you've been getting. You're all over the news. You're like, I open a newspaper. You're, you're it's like, yeah, it's, it's my boy. It's like, oh man, I'm, I'm so sick proud of, of you. I'm sick of me. I'm like, enough. <laughs> Not too much, too much. Oh, dude. But um, yeah, so you you mentioned you're sick of you are you getting exhausted by all this attention or something oh it's like it's fine because you know really for the most part i don't have to do anything about it so it's just you know i'm just living my little covid life running in the woods like a wild child and like just doing my thing and it's just something that's happening somewhere else. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> people yeah, yeah. tell me. I do. I have had some like just be running into people, strangers who have been like, "Oh, you're that guy with that book." So mm. I feel like that's like another level of like, like I'm used to being infamous, but that's like like pseudo famous. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but no, I'm not sick of it. I'm thankful. Obviously, um. We, that's the whole point <laughs> yeah facts facts and uh it's it's cool too uh, alongside uh, i found out you also are making an album to kind of coincide with it called uh, saga king which mm -hmm. uh, people can look out uh on july hey, the 30th it's done <laughs> yeah oh yeah i've listened to it but uh yeah and it's it's sick like uh i i want to commend you on like you ever since I met you, you're like nonstop with projects, whether it's live shows and just doing, uh, you got your book now and then it's not, uh, it, it almost seems like you don't have like a little breather. You're like, okay, next one, boom, let's make the next project happen. And next party next month. Let me yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I just feel like I have that. I don't know what you call it. Restlessness or just, I don't even think it's that. I think, I always use the mango tree illusion because I'm always like mango trees, like just because there was mango last year, it doesn't mean they don't have mango this year. There's mango every year because 
that's what a mango tree does. And so I feel like, um, I feel like that's me. That's what I do. I, I create, I've always done it. Um, it feeds me, uh, it gives me purpose. It inspires me. And, uh, and so why stop? <laughs> I don't, I haven't thought of a good reason to stop doing it yet. Yeah, for sure. It's just what you do. And, uh, even like I mentioned, I've been a, a little low key throughout, uh, this COVID time. And I don't know, just, uh, I uh, went through the book again. And then like this week too, I put on the audio version, which I absolutely Word. love. I love the audio version so much. Uh, right. How, uh, how uh, you, you dive in and out of the accents and sometimes you're singing. <laughs> and uh, Yeah. That energy too. And, I really love doing the audio book. I, I was, I mean, I didn't know what to expect, but I was kind of like, you know, Penguin Random House is a big company and um, they were like, they don't make audiobooks out of every book and they don't let their author read it very often oh, either. Wow. Because uh, very often, you know, just because you can write a book, being able to sit in a booth for five hours a day um, for like a couple weeks and record it is a different thing. And often authors, I think, are difficult about their own words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... I was honored to be able to do it. And I took it, you know me, I took it as a performance. I was yeah, like, I was going to say, if be... anybody's seen you live, like, and found out you have this audiobook, you just know it's going to be a show, you know? Yeah, it's I, that's how I took it. I was like, I didn't want it to just be like a dry reading of the book. I wanted it to be like special in its own right. So, yeah. yeah, that's what's up. I'm glad you checked it out, man. Oh, yeah, I love it. I, I think like um, even just me as how I take in information, like there's a there's a reason why I do a podcast. I just love it. Like I'm just so like more attentive yeah. when uh, it seems like somebody's talking to me. And uh, I find when I'm reading a book, uh, I'll read a, a sentence and then it'll remind me something in my life and my mind is like trailing. And I'm like, I'm like I got like two sides of my brain working where I'm like half reading and then half like thinking of something. But I don't know what it is with my uh, my own cognitive senses. But when I hear mm -hmm. like somebody's voice speaking, it's like full attention. So uh, it's yeah. like I was almost like picking up on things that I might have like skimmed over by like unintentionally when I was like reading but that's just yeah kind of for sure I am yeah it is a different cognitive experience for sure like it's 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 a different thing and I've heard a lot of the feedback from the audiobook has been really positive so I I'm proud of that because um because I really want to just make it special so I'm glad that that worked to some extent yeah, hell yeah. Would you ever think about like doing um like voiceovers for other people's books as well? Because it just seems like you got like such a good knack for it. Yeah, but I mean, it's just performance, right? So it yeah. could be it's just having a different script. But I mean, I don't think I would depends on whose book, but I would definitely read like like plays and stuff for vo for like voiceover for plays or for cartoon characters oh that'd be amazing dramatic stuff i think yeah. i'd love that but um who has time for anything sean <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know you're so busy i'm I, I was actually thinking it's like when will he fit this in his schedule like the album's coming out i know the world's opening you gotta be thinking about hitting your kidding? stage again they were like they were like sean creative imbalance i'm like yeah just yeah whenever put i'm just i can't wait yeah i was like tomorrow let's do it tomorrow <laughs> you know what's funny too it's like uh like like i mentioned i've been seeing you everywhere and in the back of my mind i'm like this man is busy i'm like i want to talk to him but i feel like i'm gonna be bugging him and as i was thinking that and even like was giving your the audio version to spin uh Ola magically sends me an email and it's just like, hey, John, John's down for the show. It's like, yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, was almost like, like a bit of a cosmic way. I to show just to hang out with you. I'm just yeah. like, it's been too long, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I loved uh, how we met too when I used to do the show in the bar and we just had like some good drinks. And I even remember after we stopped the recording, we were kind of hanging for a few hours yeah, and it was such a, a wonderful conversation. And after you left, I'm like, yo, that whole thing should have been the podcast, you know? 
yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> it's that that thing we recorded was us just getting to know each other. But then, uh, yeah. yeah, and that's one thing I love about talking to you too. It's just uh, you have so much uh, like perspective, and I feel like I could just talk to you about like anything, and it'd be interesting. And even like diving in this book too, it's like just your whole experience kind of like connected connects everything like uh my perception of you I guess where it's just like you've had so much experience and like it's just no wonder why you're just so intelligent and like know like so many like different things and just from like like you mentioned it's like one day you're you're living in like the most tropical place and then next time you're like in the arctic like and this is like your childhood experience and it's just so much um I don't know life experience uh going through your mind and soul and everything yeah it's a lot happening for sure but i yeah. feel like we we all have a fair bit of things popping but i mean yeah i mean i always say that like intelligence is when you know the right thing and wisdom is when you've done the wrong things so many times that yeah. all that's left is the right thing and so it's <laughs> like it's like yeah, I mean, I yeah. like the wisdom, but good Lord, I wish I was smart in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> I always say the best lesson is a good mistake, too. And uh, yeah. re recently, me and my buddy were talking about how you can fail upwards. Like, you just keep fucking up, and then you just figure out how yeah. to... Like, as it's almost you... not a failure, you know? <laughs> you get whatever it is done. Or... Yeah, well, success and failure are basically based on... Um, the outcome right like there's that chinese proverb where the guy is living in the country and someone gives him a horse like just gives him a horse and everybody's like wow that's so great you got a horse and then his son's riding a horse and falls off and breaks his leg and they're like man don't you wish you'd never gotten that horse and then there's a war and so the army is conscripting all the young men, but they don't take his son because his leg's broken. And then they're like, wow, aren't you glad you got that horse? <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> <And fire>. so, <laughs> so the point is like, we, we think we know, we try to, we judge things based on when they happen to us. But in actual fact, you don't know whether it's a good or bad thing until like we've until you look back and we've always all of us have had that experience where you think something I'm sure you have Sean, you think something's incredible and it feels good in the moment. But when you look back, you're like, actually, I kind of wish that didn't happen because that led to all these bad things <laughs> or you something feels really terrible when it happens and then you look back and you go actually. I learned a lot from that and I actually am glad that happened because that led me to bigger and better things. So yeah, all facts and lots, lots of people talk about like that when they go after they go through like a breakup, like at first it feels like the worst, like you're dying inside and then yeah, maybe a month, two months, two years, depending on how much you love this person, you think back and it's just like, wow, like I learned and grew from that experience, you know? It's yeah, yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like you, and I feel like this book is a memoir. And, and so obviously I'm looking back on my entire life and, you know, and I, I often think, you know, most people don't have time to stop and spend a year thinking about everything that's happened in their life. And most people don't want to because it's not all nice, you know, yeah, when you yeah. go backwards. And if you're being honest and thorough, you've got to deal with a lot of things that, you know, you'd rather leave in your rearview mirror and not deal with it and just keep going. But, you know, the lesson I learned was that you might be finished with the past, but it might not be finished with you. Oh, wow. Did you find like a cathartic experience to like maybe write down like some of the harder times in this book? Or? I mean, catharsis. It's like, you know, I, I, I moved back to Kitchener uh, last year. And so I literally bumped into three of my ex-girlfriends. Like I literally live within 10 minutes of like five of my ex-girlfriends. <laughs> they're all they're all married and have kids and stuff. Yeah. But like and and three of them in particular, it was like it ended badly. And so we mm. haven't really spoken in years and years. And then 
I bump into them and we have a conversation and suddenly it's like every, I was all the things that I was carrying. It's like you, you, you didn't know you were carrying something heavy and it's like you suddenly put it down. Yeah. And both of us, like in each case, felt this lightness and this upliftment. And that's what writing the book was like. So I guess mm. you could call it catharsis, but I tend to think of it as, you know, putting down these burdens you've been carrying and didn't know you were carrying. That's what I think of it as. Oh, like yeah. for me, it started, Sean, because I was just kind of like, dog, you know, I mean, I was living my life. I had, you know, I was like indie music, music like, <laughs> indie music god <laughs> dude and um and i was living in the city i loved it i i had a little job on on bay street that was like lucrative but didn't stress me out um which is an achievement just on its own yeah that's rare like yo you could do this forever but i felt like something was missing and mm -hmm. i felt like i kept thinking about, oh, well, what do I do then? If something's missing, what's the next move? What's the next move? And I kept trying on futures like coats. I would be like, oh, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'll try it on for a little bit and uh, try something else on, try something else on. And then the idea just struck me that until you make peace with your past, you can't truly live your future. Ooh, bars. And that's when I was like, okay, so th that's when I realized that even though they're like, I couldn't see it and I didn't know what the things were that were weighing me down, although I had a sense of what they might be, but it's like how they detect planets, right? They don't see, like, they don't see, sometimes they don't see the planet, but they see the gravitational pull that it's having, mm -hmm. right? And that's how they know that it's there. And so that's how I felt. I felt like I couldn't see all the issues of the baggage, but I could feel that I was being weighed down. I could feel that I wasn't fully me. I wasn't happy fully in the way I wanted to be. And, and it just came time for me to put that stuff down. I didn't want to do it no more. I didn't want to carry it. And I think you talk about wisdom being doing all the wrong things so that the right thing is all that's left. That's how I felt with this book. All that was left was for me to go, okay, you know what? You've been running from this stuff too long. We're going to have to sit down and thoroughly, once and for all, go through it, relive it, re-experience it, make peace with it, put that burden down. Yeah, and you really put in the time. Uh, you can tell, like, uh, it's just such, like, a well-done piece. And even, like, knowing that you started this a few years ago, too, uh, I can't even imagine uh, how, I don't know, this is a question, uh, is it, was it, did you find it like difficult to decide what I, you're going to put in the book? Um, um, or did it just kind of just flow naturally? <laughs> I don't think there's anything natural about writing your life down in 130,000 <laughs> words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's very unnatural, even yeah. for me. Even like, thinking right. about like doing that right now, like say I started tomorrow, I, I just get this feeling of stress in my chest. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, ain't no, like there ain't no flow natural <laughs> yeah, in this game. Um, but I, I guess what I'd say is that um so my process was I interviewed every single person that I could talk to and get a hold of that was important to my life oh. from when I was a kid, when I was a baby bump, literally in my mother's stomach, all the way up to when I was writing. So 250 hours of interviews. Whoa. So it was an exhaustive process for a couple of reasons. Number one, I needed to fact check myself because it's a pretty daunting thing. If you're going to, unless you've been living in a cage, writing your story involves writing a lot of other people's stories. And people are really defensive about their stories because, well, most of us, our memory, we, we tell ourselves that our memory is a recording of facts that happen. 
but in fact, our memory is a fabrication that we've created based on facts, but we've, most of it, every time we remember something, we edit it, we yeah. edit it, and we edit it, and that's the proverbial fish that was like one foot, and then by 10 years later, it's five foot, you know, mm -hmm. because, um, because our memories are kind of like buffer zones that protect us from reality. Because there's always things in reality that we don't want to admit, or things we're afraid of, or things that were awkward, or things that were embarrassing, or things that were traumatic or hurtful. Um, and so we want to avoid it. And so we just, we embellish, we delete, we invent, we obscure. We do all kinds of tricks with memory. So I wanted to check my memory against the memories of the people who were there. And it's funny thing, when you hear the truth, everything clears away and you can actually see very clearly. Um, my favorite trick of memory, by the way, is uh, the Vaseline on the mirror technique. It's when you, you know something's there, you know it's there, but you can't see it very clearly. It's like the lens on the camera is all out of focus. Yeah, and you, yeah. And you do that because you want to protect yourself from seeing it clearly, right? So, yeah. so and I also, because I read about, I read like 30 memoirs to study writing memoirs. Um, I love reading memoirs anyway, but I wanted to really write a good one, so... I read 30 memoirs that were reputed to be great memoirs. And I also studied the story of what happened to the authors and how the books were created. What I learned was, if you wanna have a relationship with people you're gonna write about, you need to involve them in the process somehow. Uh, instead of just talking shit, you know? <laughs> and, right, because yeah, you could yeah. be wrong, first of all. They're always gonna have feelings. And here's the thing. After 250 hours, did that? You would think that that I, I I also gave people opportunity to tell me if there's something they didn't want me to write about, and you would think that that would prevent people from having feelings when it came out. Yeah. Nah. -uh. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you. I say you did your part. You asked. You gave them the warning. Is there something you don't want? That's it's, for, it's free to go. It's. <laughs> That's what I said. At the end yeah. of it, I was just like, like, my mom was the worst. And she doesn't even get it the worst in the book. My dad gets it the worst, right? Yeah. Um, but my mom is like, is like, mama, boy, you write all these things about me in this book. And blah, blah, blah. I was like, mom, first of all, I know you didn't read the book. Is the stuff you're saying that you're mad about isn't in the book. <laughs> <laughs> And she's like, somebody told you about what it was. She's like, yeah, but they told me not to read it because it was so. Bad. Uh, um, so, so. Um, I want to mention that's one reason why I love the audio book too. Just like you going into the voice of your mom there and like the different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In your life. Oh, <laughs> it. It's, it's awesome. a good time. Yeah. <laughs> um, burned into my head forever. And, um, <laughs> And, um, and my dad was like, and my, at some point I just said, mom, I love you. If you want to be mad about a book, it's, this book will have no impact on your life. It's not like I'm Kanye West. Like you're not going to yes. get, people aren't going to be going through your trash. Paparazzi isn't going to be photographing you. you know? <laughs> you're not the, the police or the IRS isn't going to show up looking for you. Like, like, yeah. you know, yeah, but that's right. going to be interesting in her mind, too, because you have been getting so much publicity, too. It's like, yeah, I can see her just like seeing that and, and getting the little paranoia. Oh, my son, the celebrity, they're going to know everything about me now. Type yeah, of vulnerability you know, type of thing. You know what, Sean? People always ask me, like, Ben, Caribbean people don't like it when you air your dirty laundry. And I'm like, no, no culture is it okay to air your dirty laundry for yeah. the family. Like Asian people don't like it. Europe, they don't, nobody likes it. Okay. Um, but yeah, I just took it for me. It was, that was about, this was about healing for me. I wanted to bring about my healing, but I also wanted to inspire healing in my family. And a lot of what, you know, in abusive situations, it's the things people don't tell 
the kids, right? That's what really, every generation of people are like, oh, we can't tell you that story. It's too much. It's for your own protection. You're too young for this type of thing. That's usually the experience. Yeah, and they front like they're protecting you. But in fact, you come to figure out they're actually protecting themselves because there's painful stuff back there that they don't want to deal with. But we don't want to repeat generational trauma, right? And we don't want to make the mistakes that our, our, our parents made. We want to, you know, learn from them and hopefully grow and do better. And so I wanted to learn the stories and be the keeper of the stories so I could tell them my way. But, you know, the problem with memory is everyone remembers things very different ways. So yeah. that's the problem. And people's memories serve important emotional functions for them. So if you now come and say, hey, I'm going to tell the true story. And that true story is really just your version of what you think is true based on your memory. And in this case, based on the interviews I did. Now, I felt confident that I did a good job of talking to people and uncovering information. Um, did I get some things wrong? Probably. But ultimately, you're, you're always going to get something wrong or someone always is going to disagree. Like, what do you do if two people tell you the opposite things happen in a story? What do oh, you do? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what do you I do? Pick, if... I pick the most interesting one. It's like, okay, you're right. But, How do you choose? But, yeah, you choose? but then so, I can see on the other side of the coin, if you're just like, oh, I want this to be the truth type of thing where it can be um, a little like, uh, I guess, little ping pong match in your game or in your head. Like, yeah. what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to well, go down truth? the next path? Yeah. Whose truth? Yeah. Which truth? And then even if you if, even if you have a version of the truth, we just by ver- you can tell a story that's filled with truths and also be lying. Right. Because a lot of what a lot of what frames the story is what you leave out right yeah so if i leave out key things that i and everything i say is true but i've still left out things right then i then am i telling the truth you know so mm-hmm. truth is 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 people always think the truth is is that they know what the truth is but and they have a very authoritative feelings and strong feelings about the truth and what we should do with it but when you actually start having to write stories that are true, it gets very, very sticky really quickly because oh, yeah. so much of our lives are so subjective, right? Where it's just like, you know, you and me could see the same accident and you'll tell the truth one way and I'll tell the truth another way. And, you know, that's why police have notorious hard time with eyewitness testimony because they're almost always contradictory. Mm, yeah yeah so so which truth are we talking about is 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 is, you're gonna swear that what you saw was the truth i'm gonna swear what i saw was the truth what's the truth yeah yeah so so i i came face to face with that big question of i want to tell the truth but whose truth how do you define truth and what and and what are the things what are the things you're leaving out? What are the truths that you're not telling? Yeah. Right. I love hearing how much like beyond like the book, the layers of thought put into it too, of finding the truth and like just the extra work of interviewing so many people. So it's like factual. I, like I know some people who've, who've wrote things and it's just, they're not putting that much backstory into it. It's like what I remember <laughs> is what's happening (laughs) well it was important to me to write like i mean a lot of people are just happy to write a book i wanted to write a great book because i'm an english lit dude so yeah every a lot of people know me as a musician of course but i'm a i'm a i which i am but i'm an english lit dude so to me it's not just like a book is a sacred thing like i want my book to be studied and and revered the way I studied and revered other books and I think for that reason I set a really high standard for you know I did my research I did my think through there's a lot of thought that went into before I even put one word on the page yeah and 
but I love this stuff. It's process. It's just like creating music for me. It's I love, like, you know how it is, Sean, anything you want to do well, you have to love the process of doing it. Yeah, facts, facts. And yeah, it's cool to see like, how you can just hone in on it too. And I remember, I think last time I saw you play a show, you were telling me uh, things are about to change in a way. You're like, I got to get this book done. I might disappear. Yeah. <laughs> and you did for a bit. And then next thing I see you pop up and it was done. It was, it, that was really cool. Was yeah. Like and that's a great lesson that I learned. I, what I learned, and I think COVID has taught a lot of people this. I just learned that Sometimes I just need to shut the world out to get things done. Yeah. And so, and, and I also learned like not being in everyone's face all the time is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, you know? uh, that speaks to me too. I feel like uh, a couple of years ago, I was trying to do like too much at the same time where it wasn't like having the hyper focus, like each thing needed and like you mentioned, just chilling like over COVID and being with my own thoughts too. It's uh, it's kind of changed like with a bigger strategy of like, again, like, not putting too much of yourself out, like when it's like necessary, like here and there and just kind of just hone in on, on uh, what's important at the, at the right time and everything. It's a uh, kind of a tricky game. Cause I don't know, personally, I don't, I know you do tons of different things from music writing it's like I'm sure you wake up some days and you're just like I want to get this all out here like right now like at once and just like I think I wake up some days yourself because like that, I don't yeah. want to wake up today I don't I've been thinking about that mango tree metaphor a lot too yeah. where I was like there's a song on this side I was gonna record. say that you reference it too in the yeah. new album there, yeah there's a song called mango tree yeah and I just that you know so a lot of mango trees, they have a season when they when they have mangoes, mango season. Some are all year round, but if if it's February and mango season's in July, no amount of wanting can make those mangoes ripen in February. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so that's how I feel about it. I feel like everything is a gestation. You know, a seed is planted, it's nourished, it's, it grows, it, it springs forward a plant, it grows branches and fruit and the fruit ripen, and it all takes time. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm here for. I'm into the process of that unfolding. Yeah. That's what I really love. So, um, so for me, it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, there's a lot of things cooking, but you know, you, you've got to take your time and you've got to take time to enjoy your life as well and just enjoy being here because art is made of life. And so if you haven't really lived, it's hard to make art. Yeah, yeah, that's that's important, too. And I talk to like a, a lot of different comedians, too, and they say uh, they, they always find their jokes when they're not writing. They're just out living and like yeah. something will happen or but when they sit down and like i'm gonna write three jokes today it's just like all forced like shit like throwaway stuff yeah 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 it's, no it's true it's, it's facts man yeah. like it's um yeah we gotta we gotta really you know i've gotten into that a lot being patient taking care of myself being focused not feeling like you have to be part of everything that's happening putting my phone away like just just being present you know yeah like, yeah That's like it's all cool. it's all really necessary shit so yeah that's where i come from oh you asked about shows and i was gonna tell you um yeah i've got actually a couple shows in in august now like um i one is is at the um the March for Black Students um, on August 7th at Nathan Phillips Square in the afternoon. Ah, um, nice. nice. Yeah, I'm going to, last year there was like a thousand people there. And this year it's like, you know, um, they're expecting more. So I'm going to go play a couple songs acoustic. And then on the 21st at the Mixed TO Festival, I'm headlining uh, the main stage. It's like a block party kind of festival. So it's the first one in a while, so I think people are kind of excited, and uh, I'll be playing new songs with a new band, and so that's ah, really okay, fun. Yeah. So I'm excited about all of it. 
Yeah, I, I definitely got to check out both those sets too, man. I, I miss uh, your live energy. It's uh, something infectious too. And one thing I loved about your live shows too, it's almost like just kind of takes you on like a roller coaster in a way. Like you're making us laugh with your banter. You're making us dance. You'll bust out acoustic. Next thing you know, it's like a, there's a tear in my eye, man. It's like, it's beyond like, I don't know. I'm trying to think like it's an experience, you know, like when you see uh, John Orpheus. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I feel like it's um, but that's what life is, right? Like yeah. life isn't just one vibe. One, like we're not always partying or always thoughtful or always, you know, joking, you know, but we do do all of those things, you know, at the right time. So, yeah, I feel like I'm definitely. I definitely, that's how my art is. My art reflects my life. And the book's like that too, where you have like silly moments, profound moments, historic yeah. moments. Um, yeah, it's very moments. much like your your energy. It's a, it's just a celebration of everything and just, it's a real like raw feeling. Like it's it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's that's what I think is, the thing I'm most proud about the book and, and is that you don't have to be from Trinidad or black or an immigrant to really see yourself in the book, because, mm -hmm. you know, if I've done my job, it's the, the, the true theme of the book is, is humanity, like not just my humanity, but all our humanity. And okay. for that reason, you can see yourself in it regardless. And I yeah. feel that's the, that's why it's been so successful so far is that a lot of people see themselves in it, even though they're not necessarily, um, you know, that particular whatever. Yeah, that's true too. And even like, uh, like in the earlier stages of the book too, when you were talking about like your childhood and just like getting disciplined by different elders and stuff too, it reminded me like, even though I was just like, a white boy from Canada, like some of the stuff, like you talked about, like your internal narrative as like these things are going on with like almost in a humorous way with the adults. I used to have that like same thoughts. It's like always questioning everything. And why is this this way? And like stuff like that. And yeah, it's a, uh, that's one thing I, I personally related to. You got Italian parents, Sean. Um, they're, I'd say they're more Canadian. We're a bit of a mix, but on my yeah. dad's side, it gets a little more shifted towards uh, the yeah. "hey" type of people. <laughs> <laughs> and um, actually, there's a there's there's one of my uncles. Like, I swear, he wishes he was full Italian. He drives around like in a Cadillac with like a big like hat, like he's in The Godfather and stuff. It's like, hey, you're you're like part Scottish. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> but but, awesome. he, but he looks cool. He looks badass. Let <laughs> that man drive. <laughs> yeah. And then my my other uncle, like he's making like all like the the super sada in his garage and stuff like that. Like he's like full blown Italian and like I think uh, I think that side of the family like we wish we weren't mixed. Like we want to be, <laughs> and we don't we don't they don't ever like uh, embrace like their Scottish side at all. <laughs> like it's like just Italian, like right pasta and whatnot. But it's, well, it's interesting. nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty cool though. <laughs> Good food all the time, but. Yeah, yeah, no, that's beautiful, man. Yeah, mm. yeah, it was, but uh, yeah, it's so cool. Like, uh, like we mentioned too, for people listening, July thirtieth, uh, the new album coming out. You can get, you can get Saga Boy everywhere. Penguin Publishing. Um, like I mentioned too, I recommend the audiobook. I love yeah, collections and your storytelling and everything. My mom and like, like, <laughs> boy, I am your mother. <laughs> In this life, you'll have many, many friends, but only one mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just shit like that. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah my yeah. mom is, that's my mom's classic line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is there anything like um like after the book was all published and stuff? Uh anything you thought about and you're like, oh, I should have put that in there. And probably, yeah, yeah. Just a few times here and there, but I don't know. I feel like like I'm not really uh like there are people who are perfectionists in the sense that that would really bother them if they felt like they missed something. Yeah. But for me, I'm more I'm a perfectionist in the sense that 
I want to get to a certain place and I'm not going to compromise on that place, but how I get there, I'm very flexible about. So as long as I've gotten to that place, you know, forgetting, forgetting or missing out on one or two stories, it's just, you know, I don't worry about that because there's always going to be something you didn't put in or you didn't know or, or, you know, there's always something. So I don't worry about that. Yeah. And um, down the road, uh, would you ever think of doing like a follow-up to like maybe like 10, 15 years down the road, depending? Um, on well, I'm already writing. I've written a children's book, a uh, couple that are coming out on Tundra. Amazing. Um, the book's coming out in America um, on the 14th of September in Milkweed Editions. Um, and I have a novel that is in its fifth draft. So, I mean, in terms of follow-up, book i mean i'm already doing that in terms of follow-up memoir um yeah i have some ideas like i i did have i did see something like you know i really want to write uh uh i really want to write my dad's story of him coming to calgary in like oil boom calgary in 75 like this trinidad kid little hustler Trinidad kid too smart and charming for his own good and he's just blazing a trail of destruction across the prairies and I just feel like I love the prairies and I love the west and I love Calgary and and I just feel like that would be a beautiful story to write so that's almost like a prequel my dad's in the saga boy, but that would be like about him. But for a follow-up, I've been thinking just about, because the book ends really before I start like my history in music, which I think you know to to an extent. The last five years was when I first started singing in a Caribbean voice and kind of claiming back my Caribbean identity. Yeah, because you were more like kind of like going towards like uh, rock style, right, for a bit? Or? Yeah, I, w- we were, I was playing like punk and rock and yeah. blues and soul like previously. And I was just like, nah, I want to do like like soca dance hall influenced music, Afrobeats influenced music. And, and, and that was important to me because a big part of me healing was being able to reclaim my childhood and that legacy of the of, of of Trinidad and the Caribbean and the diaspora. So um like for example, this is a weird thing. Like I can hit notes when I'm talking in Trinidadian that I can't hit talking in Canadian. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It was weird. And even when I just start talking Trini, I just I just change. Like there's like I smile more, <laughs> yeah. I joke more. And I thought to myself, well, of course, because that is how you learn how to talk, right? As as a Chini, that is how I came up learning how to speak. So there's a connection with it that no other thing, even though I, I'm great at being Canadian, I can sound Canadian with the best of them because yeah. um, I've learned. But whenever I go back to that way of talking, that it just gives me life in a way that nothing else can because that's just the first way I learned how to communicate in the world so singing in that Trini accent was a new thing yeah. you know and that's why goat life and as a mixtape and and we call that ting like mm-hmm. those are the first times I'd spent like 15 years writing songs more than that and and I'd never sang in a Trini accent uh, and so and like had... that, that kind of music's so playful too. Do you feel like because it's connecting like somehow to your childhood, that's kind of bringing back? Yeah, well, it's everything. It's yeah. it's playful. It's source. It's the most profound. It takes me back to my grandmother, to where I grew up, to all the things in the book. Right, that yeah. first hundred pages of the book. So, so, but the book ends before I start talking about that. And so I always thought that that would be a great place to do a follow-up is to talk about me playing music downtown and not only me reconnecting with my roots, but all these other kids from Nigeria, kids from Ghana, kids from Johannesburg, Kingston, Trinidad, 
all over kids, black people born right here in Canada who never felt like they fully, you know, were accepted by the place. And that was the crew. That was the House Orpheus crew. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like that would be a great follow up to this book is to just take it full circle. And in a way, this album is that full circle, right? Because this album is kind of like the Saga Boy book is the journey, right? Of this boy trying to find his way in the world. And Saga King, the album, that's the party you throw at the end of the journey. You know what I mean? When you get there and you're home finally, you throw a party and that's what for me it sounds like. And and I call it that because, you know, when you go through these deep transformations of, of self, and these deep reconnections with yourself, um, you get a kind of a sovereignty over yourself, right? Like I think there's a point in a in a man's life, in any person's life, but you know, my experience being identified as a man, um, there's a point where you come into your power, which is to say you grow into your skin and you stop being worried about what people think and you start being more focused on what are you trying to achieve like what is your purpose Mm, right yeah and and so that's the sovereignty that you get from doing the work to understand to look back and write a book like saga boy go through your memories interview all the people from your life your mom your brother your your, your friends, like really go in deep and, and not with an eye to hurt or to lash out at anybody or get revenge, more to understand and to, and to put the, bur- the baggage down. And I think when you do that and you get that lightness from not carrying that weight, you get uplifted and that's that feeling of power, empowerment, and sovereignty over yourself and that's the saga king and that's that's the con that's the relationship between the two pieces um that that i was trying to achieve and i think we did it i mean i yeah i really think we have yeah definitely and even like as a reader and a listener too it's just to get like it's cool to hear you talk about that kind of layer of things is I feel that energy coming from the music coming from the book too. And it's very infectious and, and inspiring. Like even like listening to you talk right now, I'm like, I'm supposed to go out tonight. I'm like, I just want to work on shit. Like, <laughs> I, I don't want to have a beer. Like, I want to fucking like, man. Go have excellent. that beer. You never yeah. know when the lockdown's coming. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Wave five, six, whatever it is. Right yeah. now, but, but better get uh, that beer while you can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, also, I want to, I want to pitch. Uh, if you, uh, if you do that uh, prequel with your father, yeah, would you think of calling it Saga Man? No, 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 let's change I'm it up. Done. Yeah, I'm no. done with the saga. So it's so the saga is, is uh is gonna be pushed aside as its own thing. Like it's uh, yeah, like I want these to stand as as their own and as yeah. their journey. I think there's a statement there that's uh that's complete. Um nice, nice. And we'll see what's next. I mean, my you know, first I have to finish the novel and then then we'll see what's next. It's um Memoir is hard though, because it's there's a lot of emotional work to do. Yeah. But it's also very rewarding because of that emotional work. Yeah, yeah. I can see it being extra challenging too, doing it of somebody else. Like uh it's like another layer of getting these stories. Cause, yeah. Cause it's almost like extra work because you have your own memories of your own one in in uh Saga Boy. And now if you do one on your father, it's uh it seems like an extra yeah. like layer of work just to do and stuff, but you can, you yeah, can do it. You, it can, is, your, you can do anything. Also, man. It's also emotionally easier because it's his emotions. Right. Mm, so okay. <laughs> I think that's, that makes it easier. And the difficult part is that I don't automatically know what the emotions are. So I have to get that from him, but, but I don't know. I think it'd be a cool thing just to hang out with my dad and, yeah. get his stories like that um you know because I mean dude lived a pretty rambunctious life like 
he did some things. <laughs> yeah. Some of which I allude to in the book, but actually you don't really know his story, right? Mm, so, yeah. so yeah, I really want to, um, I really think it'd be fun and just relevant to Canada, right? Like so many issues of that are relevant now, like about Western alienation and oil money versus Ontario decision-making and, um, and, and just being black people in Calgary in 1975, which is like, yeah, like that's a whole, I just spoke at, I did the keynote at a festival called We Lit, which is a, um, a black, uh, a group of black Cal Calgarians put this on or Albertans actually. And yeah, it's just funny. Like they've lived there for generations and generations. And my family has a lot of roots there. My aunt Joan, my, my dad, that's where they landed when they came from Trinidad. My brothers were born there. My cousins were born there and still live there. Their children were born there. So it's just when you think about the West and you think about Calgary and Alberta in particular, you don't think about black people. Not at all. I think like cowboy culture in a way, like they got the stampede and like, it's kind yeah, of like celebrated like that. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. What, what, I mean, one of the great fallacies was that um, I saw this just the other day that one in four cowboys were black. Yeah. So even, yeah. So even cowboy culture, like black people have been kind of erased from that. Right. But that's one in four. Like if you watch the movies, it looks like one in 40. I was going to say, I, I remember I had a teacher in the eighth grade and uh, the, the movie Wild Wild West with Will Smith came out. Yeah. And I haven't remembered that fact, but he mentioned something like you just said. He's like, did yeah. you know, like, this is like, even though he's like, who cares about the giant robotic spider or whatever? But like, as cowboys, like Will Smith being there, he's like, that's very important because yeah. there's a lot more, uh, more African like cowboys that we just. Yeah, there were tons. John Wayne and stuff like that. But in Canada's history, there's a lot of black people out West that aren't, you just don't think of them as part of the landscape. And so my dad lived that experience, right? And so I feel like that's a relevant experience to today as we sort of, you know, how we do identity. And in Canada, we kind of think of Black as Easterner, right? They're either, they're either from Nova Scotia or they're from Scarborough, you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. It's like, but, but it's very different. And having lived in rural places and in Ontario and in Canada and love it, you know, I just feel like I wanted to write something for that experience, but from a black point of view, that's why it's cool. Yeah, that you're right. That's fucking cool. And yeah, yeah. I hope if you ever get the time, yeah, to chip away. Yeah, at that, I'll, awesome. I'll definitely do it, man. One day I'll just honestly, I'll create my own COVID and just hide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna release a new virus. Yeah. Oh man, don't even joke about that. Jeez, we had enough of that. Yeah, I know. Even I, I noticed too. Like I go out and um, I'll see like an old friend or something who I haven't seen in like the past year and a half too. And I'm trying to be respectful to like people's uh, I don't know, like their comfort zones right now. I know like some people are vac, some people aren't. Some people want to like give you the elbow. Some people want you to stand six feet away. And I just want to hug everybody, John. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's always like, like this is, yeah, I've, I've already had like a social awkwardness, but now there's like another like layer on top of it. Yeah, like, it's really weird. Like, like people yeah. don't really know what to do even when you run into like good friends. So yeah. You know, I mean, we'll figure it out. I mean, the good news is we're not locked down. We can walk outside. Um, we can go to restaurants. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I don't know anybody is doing that yet, but we can. And I feel like it starts to feel normal. But obviously, um, we've been through a lot. And we haven't really understood what the cost of what we've been through is yet. Yeah, I think yeah. that's still unfolding. So I'm yeah. curious. Yeah, you're right. I feel like I'm still processing something too. It's even if somebody's like, how you doing? And I, I'll always say, oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. 
And then there's another thought in my brain. I was like, am I? <laughs> like, what? yeah, what's going think, on? Like, I think everybody has a kind of a low grade anxiety that's happening and it's loosening slowly. But I think, you know, when you go through the trauma is not when you really feel it. You really feel it when you look back on the time and, and the memories of it. And I think as we do, what we'll find is that we have been fundamentally changed in really profound ways mm -hmm. and um and that it sucked way worse than we thought it did because you know we got to get by so we normalize what we need to normalize to get by but when it's all said and done you look back and you go wow we were really in it yeah, it's, this is going to be part of history, too. Like, Yeah, it's a, definitely a historic event. I mean, when does one calamity strike all of humanity everywhere at the same time? Yeah, it's almost maybe like, the last time there was a when the dinosaurs died and it was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> level event kind of thing. That like, was the scary thing about the beginning of COVID when we really didn't know what was going on. Yeah, we it's, thought it's we like, like are this we is it. wiped out. Like, no more podcasts for you. Yeah, nothing, nothing. Yeah, I was actually thinking of that dinosaur shit early on. I was like, yeah. is, is humans just done? Did we fuck up enough? Like too much pollution and the earth's just like, all right, you guys deleted. Boom. Yeah. Next wave of whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Send a virus to kill off this virus. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. August. We can go outside. We can enjoy some John Orpheus, you know. We're going to play. Celebrate. Fuck yeah, man. It's um, going to be fun, yeah. Yeah, I'm so excited. It's so great to uh, catch up with you again. I know we're <laughs> kind of half working, doing, uh, do asking you questions and shit like that. But uh, hopefully soon we can just have a hang. And I'd love to just. Yeah, uh, yeah, man. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm going to keep you posted. I'll be in the city a lot. Like, um you know, I'm always in the city, but it's kind of hectic right now with the album coming out and the book in America in, in September. So yeah, understandable. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a bit hectic, but you know, love you, brother, miss you. And thank you so much for, um, for having me on and just for being you and doing what you do, man. I, I love the show. I love the jokes. Whenever you post whenever you post, I'm always, I'm always rolling and uh yeah i just appreciate you man so thank you again yeah i love and appreciate you too man and just i want to say like uh words can't even explain uh, the level of how proud i am of you to get this out to and even like what? Yeah. hearing hearing like a, it in its early stages of you just kind of i mentioned putting it together and now it's a mm -hmm. thing and just seeing you everywhere and it being celebrated you know it's just yeah. like even like beyond that like your live music and everything i'd always like tell people about you and it's it's beyond the music it's an energy you put out there and it's uh i'm happy more people are, are just finding out about john orpheus whether it's the music or the author or everything you just got such a great infectious vibe and i want to thank you for sharing that with the world and keep doing it man it's uh yeah man it's, it's amazing it's hard but i'm I inspired it. by it like i'm fired up all the time <laughs> when i see you do your thing and i, I want to thank you so much for that yeah awesome sean thanks brother we'll all right man soon, okay? yeah talk to you soon brother take care all right. stay good Hope you guys enjoyed that episode with John Orpheus, like we mentioned. His book right now, Saga Boy, it's available everywhere where books are sold. And also this week on July 30th, Saga King, the album. Check it out. It's fire. But before we go, we got to give a special thanks to all the people who help support the show and make this happen on the Patreon. And first up, biggest thank you to our co-producer, Jeremy Hopkin of Hopkin Design. Ola Mazuka of Sonic Fold, Ryan Watkins of Ryan Radio, Pat Maloney, Ryan Campbell, Danielson, Drew Stewart, Devin Staple, Mike Ulio, David Kearney, Amanda McKnight of Top 10 Nerd, and Francis Coffer, aka my mom. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next time. Sound boy up like